0: Who wears the pants in the marriage? Who is more social? Who is the morning person? Who is most like their mother? Who is the most organized? When dating, who is the bigger flirt? Who's the most fashionable? Who holds the remote? (laughs) Well, it's unfair to ask who's more fashionable when I dress like a 60-year-old man every weekend. That's unfair. (laughs) I can't ask that. I I look like I'm about to go golfing. No, guys, hey, I want to welcome each and every one of you, and thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us, whether this be your first time, or this is your uh, 100th, millionth time, I wanna welcome you all the same and say thank you uh, so much, we're honored by you being here, and I have a uh, good expectation that the Lord's going to do something good in your heart today, but we are in the middle of a series called The Way Back, and it's kind of taken, uh, there's three parts of it that's going to take the first quarter of the year. The first one was The Way Back to God, which was in January. This one is The Way Back to Relationships, which is this month, and if you want to know March, you got to come back in March and find out, uh, but specifically with The Way Back in Relationships, two weeks ago we had Pastor John talk and it was an absolutely um, convicting, um, encouraging message. So if you haven't heard it, I wanna encourage you to listen to it. And then last week we had Pastor John and Chris do it. in the same exact thing, it just the conviction and just their openness and their tenderness and their vulnerability. Um, you know, one thing that you'll notice uh, from, the top bat- from the top to the bottom on the teaching team and the pastors here is that we try to be very vulnerable and very upfront because we are humans, we're not perfect. And uh, today, since I'm talking about marriage, I am putting myself at risk to be flayed I'm putting myself out there to be vulnerable and to talk to you guys about it Uh, but before we go any further I felt like the Lord said Daniel I want you to start off with the scripture in Ecclesiastes it's not going to be on the screen I'm just going to read it to you it says there is a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to uproot a time to kill and a time to heal a time to tear down and a time to build a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. And it goes so on and so on. That's just a quick little snippet of it. But I bring this up to you because can we agree when, when Solomon was doing this, when he wrote this, he may, may not have been the first person to realize this, but life is cyclical. He was the first one to put maybe ink on a paper and write it down, but life is very cyclical. So for example, I think for people, I'm 29 years old. I believe since life is cyclical, I've been through some things where i I can relate to someone that's in their 60s. I can relate to someone that's in their 70s, the 40s. And I believe even teenagers can relate to someone my age and older and so on. I believe God did that because initially, before the fall, we were perfect. We wouldn't have those seasons. It would be an eternal joy and we would be made perfect through Christ, through being with Him, right? It would be perfect. But when the fall happens, we have these seasons. We have these seasons where we're going to have times of sadness, we're going to have times of mourning. We're going to have times of joy and happiness, a time of celebration. And I believe the Lord said, Daniel, I want you to say this to them, because if life is cyclical, then we can come to the acknowledgement that marriage is cyclical. That in marriage, we're going to have times where it's really good. We're going to have times where it's really hard. You're going to have seasons of fighting. You're going to have seasons where you feel far apart. And I believe he did this on purpose, so one, I can learn from people that have already been through it. And two, that you can learn from me as well. Because if life is cyclical and we have gone through some things, here's the biggest difference. I think when you have more mature of a marriage, a longer married, maybe the resolve is more mature. Maybe you come to the correction faster. Maybe you're not as fiery. Maybe the love is deeper. But if love is cyclical, and if marriage is cyclical, then the stuff that you have gone through, the stuff that you're going through, that I've gone through. And I felt like the Lord said, Daniel, you may be married for seven years, but there's an anointing to speak. Guys, when I'm up here, I, I, throughout the week, when I prepare this message, it's not just for me. I take it to the Lord, and every time before I come up here, I say, Jesus, let me be your vessel. So it's not a matter of maturity, it's not a matter of how long, but it's a matter of an anointing that comes over a person and God coming down and touching earth. So I implore you today to open your hearts and to listen to what God has. So I want to talk to you today about this. And I never, I've never heard about it personally in a church before. Um, I don't know if it's because the church just shies away from it or whatever it is. Maybe they're ashamed of it. Uh, but I want to talk to you about fighting. Okay? And not just fighting, but fighting well. So who here has fought with their spouse before? If your hand is not up, then you're probably fighting right now. <laughs> and you know it's the truth. Everyone has fought. But there's a huge difference between fighting and fighting well, yes or no? And there's so many different styles of fighting. My goodness, if you could have seen Holly and I, I mean, we made it, what, one day on our honeymoon and got in a fight? I think, I think you guys have heard the story. The second we woke up, she's a morning person. They asked it. I am not. She goes, Daniel, what are we doing today? I go, you know what it says about a loud person in the morning in the Bible? And she goes, what? And I go, it's taken as a curse and not a blessing. And I'm like, she rolls over. I'm like, okay. I lasted 30 seconds. So that's, I got to learn. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fighter. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't like to fight, but I'm never going to stand down to a fight. And I learned my lesson. I was like, please forgive me, Holly. Please forgive me. So I want to talk to you about fighting. And I think it's interesting because I do think the church is ashamed of it. I think it's something that they shy away from because it's almost looked down upon if you fight. But anybody that's in a relationship, anybody that's married, you are going to fight. And you're going to have seasons of fighting. And you're going to have times where it's really, really hard. And you're going to have to press forward. And I felt like the Lord said this. Daniel, whether the people that are here today are married or not, that this message is applicable to every single human being. Because you're going to fight with people all around you. This may be a a relationship series that's uh, dedicated to this exact topic, but I can promise you this much. You are going to fight with people. So how do you fight well? And the whole thing that spurred this entire, I guess, message, this, this topic, is a few months ago, There's a, a a person, a, a couple called Penn and Kim Holderness, and they're like social media personalities. They do like parodies for like, I think they got really popular in COVID because they did like parodies in COVID, like songs and stuff like that, and they're hilarious. But they, they had, on screen, it looks like they have such an amazing marriage, right? And then they come out and they humble themselves and they wrote a book called Everyone Fights, So Why Not Get Good at It? And I was like, interesting. So it, I caught it, I read it, and, and it just captured my heart. And the Lord was like, this really isn't something that's talked about enough in the church. If we do fight, then why do we shy away from it? Why do we ashamed people for fighting when it's healthy fighting? So today we're going to talk about fighting well. I titled my message, The Seven Year Scratch not the seven-year itch, because I'm in seven years, and I want to talk to you about a few techniques that Holly and I have done in our marriage, uh, I guess, to um, stop that itch and scratch that itch. Uh, But before we get in, would you join me in prayer? Lord, uh, you are so good. Um, I humble myself, and I come before you, Lord. I pray that every person that's in this room, Lord, would be able to take something that they would be able to take something and apply it to their marriage, apply it to their relationships around them. I pray that your words would be spoken today. Lord, you are so utterly good. And the only reason we're here is because of how good you are. So we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first... Technique that I want to talk to you about is very simple in nature. It's kind of a no-duh, but hard to do, and that is to communicate. What? Communicate? Yeah. Okay? And there's a difference between communicating and talking to, talking at. Okay? So the first tool is communication. Why is this so important? In the Bible, it says this. In James 1, 9, uh, 1, one nineteen. it says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. In Proverbs 12, 18, it says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Over and over and over in the Bible, it talks about the power of our words, the power of our words. So when I talk to you about communicating, really what I want to talk to you about is actively listening and talking in a way that, is, that's, that people can receive, where you don't just talk at, but that you communicate with. I mean, how many conversations have you been in, and you're just dazing, like going through a meeting, and you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and then they ask you a question, and you're like, I have no idea what we're talking about, and you know it's, you know it's right. It happens to all of us, but attentively and actively listening to their spouse. I have a clip that I want to show you. Have you guys ever seen Everybody Loves Raymond? I love this TV show, okay? I love it for this fact, that it's real. Maybe it's overreal because they fight in every single episode. Every single episode. But the one I want to talk to you about, I want to preface, it's the uh, suitcase one. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this one. So they, uh, Brenda, or what's her name? Sorry, give me one second. Deborah, Deborah, thank you. I mean, it's hard when you're up here. I I had it. I even wrote it down. Okay, so Deborah and Ray get home from a three-week trip, okay? And they share one suitcase, and they leave the suitcase on the stairs, right? Okay, and then they're like, one is expecting the other to bring it up, and the other is expecting the other one to bring it up. So three weeks later, the bag is still there, and Ray's got to go on a trip, and he's got to decide. And They both know that they've seen the suitcase. It's on the stairs. It's right in front of them. So I want to show you what happens when we don't communicate well. Would you guys play that clip, please? What are you doing? What? Just packing a soda for the road. Problem. That's how you're getting on the airplane. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm traveling light. I'm traveling loose. What, what, what are you, a hobo? Why don't you take the suitcase? What suitcase? You know what suitcase. Are you referring to the suitcase that you haven't moved in three weeks? Is that the suitcase to which you are referring? Why couldn't you move it? Why couldn't you move it? All right, you are not going to the airport with a grocery bag. Take the suitcase. You know what? I don't need it. Okay, you know what? I don't care. I don't care. Thanks to the good people at Wall bombs, I got a complete set of luggage right here. All the luggage I need right here. Waterproof, beautiful luggage. Right here. All the luggage. Days. <laughs> I know this is a little bit of an over- overreaction, but seriously, how many times have you gotten in a stupid fight over something as little as a suitcase? And it's, you know what? It's because we're not communicating. So I want to talk to you about some tools in being able to communicate well. The first one is unspoken expectations. Unspoken expectations. I have a few of those uh, of the most common unspoken expectations. Some of them are house cleaning and maintenance, money management, frequency of lovemaking, boundaries with the in-laws, work in marriage, childcare responsibilities, punctuality, celebration, uh, celebrations, meal prep, and meal times. Out of any of those, by a raise of hands, do any of those strike a chord with you? Multiple of them. Multiple of them. So unspoken expectations is a thing that you expect someone to do without communicating them with it. So how many of those unspoken expectations do you have in your life? I remember when when we first got married, there was a few of these expectations that like, so Holly's family grew up with putting the silverware up in the dishwasher, right? I grew up with putting it down. So Holly would expect me to put it up, but I would always put it down. She'd be like, why are you putting it down? I'd be like, because I was raised to do this. So it brings up this point, that your expectations are molded and builded by your upbringing. The people around you, your parents. So your expectations and other people are molded by your upbringing. So another example with Holly and I, I remember when we first got married, I grew up in a very punctual family very punctual had to be on time for anything and actually holly's family is really punctual but um i guess it didn't catch with her because she's not very punctual so so i remember when we first got married we would go to lakewood we were living in castle rock and we would have to drive to lakewood right together and we had to be there early we were the youth pastors nursery coordinators at the time so we had to be there a few hours early and we had to go twice a week you know each week and saturday sunday and to the point where we would be like 30 minutes late, and I was getting in trouble. And I'm like, oh, all right, go. we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go." And you know, if anybody has an, an, someone that's not punctual, you know that turns into a fight. I'm hurrying. I'm going as fast as I can. Why didn't you start 30 minutes earlier? Blah blah blah. Like you know the whole the whole thing. And to the point where I was just like, "Whatever, we'll take separate cars because I am done fighting. I'm done being late." So for. Four years, we took separate cars to Lakewood. Is it worth it? Absolutely, because I didn't want to fight on Sunday mornings. So what are those unspoken expectations in your life? I heard a quote that said this, unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments. Unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments. So the person that you said, I do to, the person that you love, the person that you said, from death do us part, through health and through sickness, when you're not communicating your expectations, you're setting them up for failures, and you're setting yourself up to be mad at them. See, when you have the lack of communication in your relationship, you are just setting yourself up for another fight. So couples, marriages out there, have you taken the steps of properly talking about the unspoken expectations in your life? And you're wondering, why am, why am I getting mad? Why is she getting mad at me? Are you communicating your expectations of your upbringing? And does it take adjustments? 100%. 100%. You see, there's a huge difference of talking to and commuting, communicating with. So how do you deal with this in certain scenarios? We sat down and we talked. You know, I've been very blessed to be surrounded by people that for a living, you know, they, they do marital counseling. So when I do premarital counseling, when I do marital counseling, it's from things that I've learned from other people. I take it as from books that I've read. It's taking the extra step of learning. So I said, Daniel, Holly, you need to sit down and communicate what your expectations are. What are your expectations in each other? Well, Holly, I would really like to be at time for church. Daniel, I would really like you to bring the suitcases up and down the stairs. (laughs) And we went through kind of expectations. And there's definitely give and take in that. And here's another big thing. You can't reach every single expectation. So you have to be able to communicate with them. I will not be able to meet that. So you might be asking yourself, how do you decipher the stuff that you need to reach for them, the expectations that you need to, is you need to level out wants and needs in a person. Once and needs in a person. And I would say a need is the way that you feel loved. A want is kind of... Maybe you feel loved that way, but it's uh, greedy. You need it a little more. So for me, the way that I feel loved with Holly is through touch. So I want relations every single day, all day with her, but I need it a few times a week, yes or no? For Holly, it's gift-giving. Holly wants... A ten thousand dollar purse, but what she needs is to feel celebrated on her birthdays, on Valentine's Day, being spontaneous and being like, "Hey, let's go to Lululemon and buy you some shorts. Let's go to Target and walk around." <laughs> <laughs> I thought there would be a bigger amen than that. <laughs> I actually, so there was a guy in in um. And Jubilee, I don't know if he goes here anymore, but my dad was telling me this. He was writing a book, and the book was, When You Fight, Fight Naked. So, they, so this was a teaching team, so they started to ask the questions uh, to the men. Hey, you know, if you were to fight naked, would you stop? And all the men were like, yes. Like, That is foregone cl- conclusion. I'm done. And then you ask the girls, they're like, no, let's fight naked. Let's go. Like, <laughs> so it's, I just thought that was funny. I thought that would throw that in there. Another way that I feel love is through time. And in this season of having children, it's really hard to have time with my spouse. So I want her to drop everything and come sit by me for hours. But what I need her to do is come over when she has a second to be like, I love you. What I need is to have date nights, whether it be once a month, once a week. What I need is to have a movie night at home. Those are needs. That's how I feel loved from my spouse. So are you reciprocating that? Are you giving the needs of your spouse? And I felt like the Lord said this, Daniel, there's people in this room that have been married for a certain amount of time. It could be seven years, it could be 30 years, it could be five, it could be one. But they've given up on this and just submitted to the needs of the other while they're just a shell of themselves. And I felt like the Lord told me to encourage those marriages right now that God wants you to live in the full fruit of marriage and that when you reach the other people's needs that you really truly get to see God on earth. God on earth. We are both created in God's image and we're in that relationship with the Lord and it's that deep and that intimate time and we're pursuing it and then when you're reaching each other's needs It is the perfect picture of God on this earth. Are you reaching the needs of your loved ones? Marriage was made to reach the other's needs emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Are we reaching those? Are we reaching those? Am I reaching her needs day in and day out? No. But am I trying? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll say this. For the other person that maybe isn't getting their needs reached, you need to have grace. Especially if you see an effort. Especially if you see an effort. Because it takes time. When Holly and I sat down and talked about our expectations, it took time To implement those expectations in. So be patient in that. If you want to stop 75% of your fights. If not more. Before it even begins. Then communicate. Talk about these things with each other. God gave you ears to hear. And a mouth to talk. Use them for good. So what's another thing. That Holly and I have implemented uh, and that 's scratched the seven year itch it 's coming to the realization that you are not each other 's enemy it 's coming to the realization that you are not each other 's enemy. In Ephesians 6:12, it says this: For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms." see, church, we need to come to the realization that the enemy is pitting us against each other, that the enemy wants us to think that we're enemies. And that's not just in marriage. That's in this realm right here. The enemy wants us to be not loyal to each other. He doesn't want us to be in community. He wants us to be in strife. He wants us to argue. And that's a whole other message about, you know, an offendable heart. But we're talking about marriage, so I'm gonna stick to that. (laughs) Coming to the realization that we are not each other's enemies. Guys, we live in a fallen world. We are humans and we make mistakes. Are you willing to forgive? And by no means am I justifying abuse of any sort. By no means. Matter of fact, I'll say this and I'll be bold. If you are at the point where you look at your spouse as someone is an enemy to you, then one or two things needs to happen. One, you need an experience from the Lord, or two, you need to get help. And just like fighting has this negative connotation, so does help in the church. What do you think the church is here for? What do you think the people around here are here to do? It's for community. It's to help you. It's to reprove you, to correct you, to love on you, to encourage you. We have multiple in-house counselors here to help with that. We have countless pastors on staff to help you, whether it be financial issues, whether it be marital issues. Why do we have such a negative connotation to asking for help? See, church, what you need to realize and what you need to remember because maybe there's someone in here at that point where they look at their spouse as their enemy is I want you to dig deep and I want you to remember why you married that person. There was a love there. There was an intimacy there. And maybe life came in. Maybe you had kids. Maybe a job came in and that became the priority. but what is that love? And I can promise you, if you could go back to that person and you could ask yourself, hey, you have the opportunity to fix your marriage. All you have to do is ask for help. And the person that had that love still, they would say, absolutely. So church, I encourage you to dig deep if you're in that situation. To remember where that love started, where that kindled and if you need help, to be bold and get help. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your marriage. Everything good in life has to be fought for. In one way or another. That makes those things even sweeter, though. We live in a day and age where you get married, and then you, get, you know, start looking at, the enemy, at them as an enemy. And you go, strike one, let's go for another one. And I'm not saying in here specifically, and I'm not saying maybe it wasn't your issue, maybe it was the other person, but as a culture as a whole, how often do we do that? Divorce rates have skyrocketed through COVID, and it's just as high in the church as it is out of it. If we're supposed to be God's people, if we're supposed to be Jesus to this world, then why are we so easily giving up? On what we used to fight tooth and nail for. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your marriage. So it raises this question How do you respond when fighting? Do you respond in anger? Do you shut off? Do you attack with sharp words? I believe the real question is, is what is your spouse's and what is your fighting style? And I believe this is also molded by our upbringing, by what we see. So for me, growing up, I know you guys all want to hear this, (laughs) we're yellers. Our family loves to yell, (laughs) good and bad. And I ask permission, so don't worry. I remember this one time, I think I was like six years old, seven years old, and we were getting our haircuts, and we would take our turns by like sitting in the car, and then one would go in, so on and so forth, but my mom would stay inside, and I remember this guy was smoking this cigarette, and he gets to the end of it, and you know, stomps on it, and I jump out of the car, and I'm with David and Katie, and they're like, what are you doing, what are you doing? I'm like, just watch, 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 and I get it, and I, you know, I saw, it, I don't know, I saw it in a movie, so I threw it down, and then I, and then I get back in the car, I was like, mom didn't see, don't worry. Okay, and then mom gets in the car, and I, I'm pretty sure it was Katie, could have been David, that you're like, Daniel smoked a cigarette, like the second she got in. He goes, what? And oh my gosh. I know last week you hear her on stage, she's got the sweetest little voice. <laughs> Holy cow. I was, I was done for. I was done for. It was, it scared me. And you know, it's, I think it's about like, because my wife Holly used to be this really quiet and like, I think there's something about being a mother where like, it's just like, you can yell like, oh, like, oh my gosh. So Holly's family's fighting style was completely different than that. So when we first get married, I'm yelling or whatnot, and, and she's like, why are you so mad? And I'm like, I'm not mad. What's wrong? I'm just, I'm just expressing myself. She's like, no, that's what you do when you're angry. I'm happy, though. Like, what are you talking about? The Eagles just won the Super Bowl. Like, she's like, why are you yelling at me? Because I want you to be excited with me. No, I'm just kidding. What is your spouse's fighting style. So one thing, if there's any shouters in here, that I could encourage you more than anything that Holly and I had to work through, probably one of the most things in our marriage, is coming to the realization, uh, with me being more vocal, is to make sure that my spouse isn't suffering in silence. Because when you're the vocal one, you're the one that can kind of domineer, dominate. Dominate. So it took me coming to the Lord. Lord, humble me. Work on me with my sharp words. I remember growing up, the way I would, you know, get in a fight with my siblings other than David, David and I would just fight each other. But like with, I had two sisters, I was very sharp with my words. Can't wait till you move out. Like just really mean stuff. It was just rude. So I get married and I was 21 when I got married. So still young, still dumb. And I was, and she was 20. We were young. And I was sharp with my words. In her fighting style, she would just shut off towards me. And I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you communicating with me? Why aren't you talking to me? She's like, you're not letting me. And what I was doing in the first two years of marriage was making her suffer silently. Because, you know, in premarital, they talk, you need to deal with your issues within your marriage, Right? You're not supposed to gossip, which is 100% true. But if you're suffering in something, then go to a pastor. Go to someone that's been through something like this. And they said, Daniel, you are letting Holly suffer in silence. So having to go to the Lord and asking him, Lord, show me my heart. Forgive me. So now I have to take a step back. And, and, and the thing about marriage, and anybody can attest to this, it's always about growth. It's always about growing and learning. So I had to do that with Holly. And now she has louder lungs than I do. So <laughs> One of the biggest things that Holly and I have ever implemented in our relationship to make sure that we are not each other's enemy is to never go to bed angry. In Ephesians 4, 26-27, it says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. I read an article last week. It was like a men's article and it talked about how, like, you know, the old proverb, like, you know, the old proverb was talking and it's actually okay to go to bed like angry at each other. I'm like, this is just a secular person trying to, to be God. You're going to go over the word and say it's okay to go to bed angry? So one thing that we've always implemented is never to go to bed angry at each other. See, so here's the difference, though. You can go to bed with differences, but don't go to bed angry. So we can fall asleep with differences. And I remember a few months ago, Holly and I had this doozy of a fight. She's like, all right, I'm going to bed. Um, I said, okay, you know, we always say I love you, love you. And she goes upstairs, um, and I could just tell that she was, you know, not happy. And um, uh, one thing that has always stuck with me that my dad told me, and maybe it's not for you, but for me it is. um, Daniel, the man always needs to be the first to apologize. And maybe there's some wrongdoing on the other side or whatnot, but for me, it's, it's one of those things that well, I get in a fight with Holly, and then you know she'll go upstairs, and then just that voice. You're the man, go apologize first. And I'm like, Dad, why did you tell me that? Why did you tell me that? So we get in this doozy of a fight, and she's upstairs. And I remember I go up, and I felt like the Lord said, Daniel, I just want you to lay next to her. I could tell that she was mad at me, I was mad at her. But I want you to just go lay next to her. So I go and I lay next to her. Not one word spoken. Not one word said. And we just laid there. We just laid there. And I said, okay, I'm going to go back downstairs. And she goes, thank you. See, we didn't fix the fight in the moment. But we were able to come to the conclusion of, hey, that we're at a different part and we'll fix it tomorrow you can go to bed and know that I love you for always and everything that's in me. So you can go to bed with differences, guys, but don't go to bed angry at each other. See, because when you allow yourself to go to bed angry, it gives the enemy the opportunity to paint the worst picture of your spouse. Why'd she do this? Why did he do this? I know you think it's so simplistic to say that going to bed angry isn't a big deal. But I take this as the literal manifestation of our Lord. And if he says not to go to bed angry, then it means not to go to bed angry. And if he says to not sin in your anger, then don't sin in your anger. It's okay to be angry, guys. It's the stuff that leads to anger. If you fester it, if you don't deal with it, you can have differences. That's okay. But when you don't meet those differences, when you don't communicate those differences, when you don't fix those differences, that's when it festers, that's when it grows, and then that's when you start to pit against each other. That is my enemy. That is my enemy. So I asked myself, how do I want to close? I, read, I I I love reading books, and my favorite one that I read at least once a year is a book by Stephen King. Okay, it's not a scary book. Just it's called Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, and it's a it's a time travel book. I love time travel, and he's Jake Epping goes back, and there's a girl named Sadie, and they're both divorcees, and. Um, the, the lady that was divorced, the man was um, abusive and a c- complete OCD. OCD, And he would put like a broom like in their bed when they would fall asleep. Don't go over this line. And I remember, um, so, but Jake's from the future, so he's already naturally lying to Sadie, who's from 1963 and before, right? And she starts to find out that, hey, you're lying to me. You're lying to me. You're lying to me. And it finally comes to the culmination of her saying this, Jake... I'm not sleeping with another broomstick in my bed. And I felt like the Lord said to say this to somebody here today, even if it's just one person or multiple. Don't sleep with a broomstick in your bed. Don't let this lie and this deceit come in you. Don't let this fighting style of of you being aggressive or you being too angry or you festering and letting it build up and then exploding get in the way of the true purpose of your marriage. And that's to enjoy the fruits that God has given you. So I implore, I encourage, and I pray, go home and talk to your spouse. Talk about your expectations. Talk about your wants and your needs. If you're already looking at them as an enemy, fix it now while you have a chance. I implore this to you today. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, you are so good. We worship you. We surrender our wants and our needs to you, Lord. And we pray as you hear what's maybe somewhat of a funny message, somewhat of a serious message, that, Lord, people would be able to grow, that people would be able to learn, and that people would discover and remember the love that they have for their spouse. That you would renew things in them that you would renew a love and a deeper love. Lord, that there would be grace where there was no grace. That there would be patience where there was no patience. That there would be love where there was no love. Speak to the people that need to hear it now, Lord. You are so good and so faithful.